welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. As we have been uh, driving around town, there is a tree that has caught uh, my, my daughter's attention. And she brought it to our attention uh, not too long ago, but she said, Dad, uh, I found a cherry tree. Uh, There's a tree growing. It's in one of the medians around town, and it's full of cherries. And she said, the next time we go driving, I want you to stop because I'm going to grab a whole bunch of those cherries. And uh, uh, so, so that's kind of the, the, the beginning of this. And, and I didn't know what the tree was or where it was. She kind of gave the descriptor of it. She said, this is where it is. This is what it looks like. And here's all the red fruit all over it. And so we were kind of prepared for that. And the other day we were actually out driving and I was with her and she called my tent. Dad, stop. You got to stop. There's the cherry tree. Look, it's right there. Just hold on. I'll just run over there and grab a bunch of cherries. And I looked at the tree and then I looked again and then I had to break the news to her. Uh, it's not a cherry tree. It's a crabapple tree, and those are not the same. And depending on uh, your fruit taste, you may prefer one to the other, but I had to break it to, you, to, to her. Sweetie, that, that's, that's a crabapple tree. And for her, she was like, even better, stop. And I was like, no, I'm not stopping for you to go steal fruit. Like, we're going to keep going. People are watching. We'll do it tonight when nobody's looking. <laughs> But we just kind of moved on, and, and it, what, I, what I want to uh, illustrate with that is uh, really the, the principle of being able to see and recognize something to be true. Um, so with that tree, as, as my daughter has been uh, riding past it as we've been driving places, like it's grabbed her attention, uh, she saw some of the fruit, and, and like in her mind, it had to be a cherry tree, and she was ready for that to be what it is. But upon just kind of closer inspection, it, it, it ended up being a, a, a crabapple tree, and I knew it when I saw it, not from her description, not from what my understanding of her understanding was, but it was something that I recognized when I was able to see it. And one of the things that we've been looking at in this series, Deep Water, Living a Spirit-Filled Life, we've been talking about how to have the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, uh, how that takes place, and some of the things that he does. Uh, But this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to shift our attention to really the practicality of what it looks like because you should be able to know it when you see it. Uh, There should be some distinctive qualities to living a life in step with the Spirit, as Paul likes to use the phrase, that becomes evident and uh, demonstrated to the world around us. That other people, they may not know what it is that is different, but they can recognize that it is something different. And that idea of Spirit-filled life Uh, In John chapter 7, this is kind of one of our anchor verses we began with. In verse 38, the first part of 39, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And in this context, John, the writer of uh, of this gospel, lets us know that when he's talking about rivers of living water flowing out of somebody or flowing from within them, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. 
And so a life lived in partnership with the Holy Spirit is going to be one that is filled by the presence of the Spirit of God, but that there's an outpouring, there's an overflowing of what God is doing in us outward that becomes something that is demonstrated to the world around us. Um, the idea of uh, a, a spirit-filled life or living this life in this way is, is also something that's tied to experiencing the fullness of the kingdom of God uh, and oftentimes just the activity of the Holy Spirit in general. But what we're going to do this morning is we're going we're gonna to answer the question that we might have arrived at already. We've been a couple weeks in this series as we've been talking about what a spirit-filled life is or what it looks like to live life uh, uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit or in participation with the Holy Spirit, we may have arrived at this question. So what does that actually look like and how can I know it when I see it? Uh, And that's something that you and I should land on. And there's two primary ways that the Holy Spirit demonstrates, is demonstrated to the world around us in and through the life of the believer. And there's kind of two big buckets uh, that Paul addresses oftentimes in his letters to the church. And here they are. We're going to deal with them each, but in different weeks. Uh, but the first big bucket, how, how can I know it when I see it? What does it look like to live a spirit-filled life? There's a bucket called the fruit of the spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And then there's another bucket uh, oftentimes in Paul's letters that is talked about as the gifts of the spirit. They're two different things. They're two distinct and unique ways that the Holy Spirit works in our lives, but both are uh, demonstrating what it looks like to have the Spirit of God at work in us and working out through us. And I want to just give you some context for those two buckets before we deal with the single one this morning. But fruit of the Spirit has to do with spiritual character. If you're a note taker, write this down. We're going to kind of bounce back to this idea as we begin our message next week. But spiritual fruit or fruit of the Spirit, has to do with spiritual character, and it has to do with who people are in Christ. It has really to do with kind of identity and natural outflow of kind of DNA that is now in you because the Spirit of God is in you. And gifts of the Spirit have nothing to do with spiritual character. They should be tempered by spiritual character, but spiritual gifts are spiritual capabilities. And it doesn't have to do with who you are, but how you serve. And those two things are kind of distinct. And together, when they are working and there's a, a full yielded um, life to this, the Spirit of God, they work in tandem and they're a, a, a great demonstration of the kingdom of God in our lives. But we're going to work just primarily in kind of the fruit of the Spirit bucket this morning. We're going to be looking at that concept and again answering this question, um, how uh, what, what does that look like in my life? And then how can I recognize it when I see it? Um, so note takers, you're already ahead of the game. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and get it out. I want to invite you to lift it up. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, I would like to encourage you to open up your Bible app. Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would speak to us through your living word today. Lord, that we would take that seed of truth and allow it to be planted in our lives, that it would take root, that it would grow to maturity and ultimate spiritual fruitfulness in us. And um, Lord, just give us a sensitivity to your spirit as you would speak to us and challenge us in responding to your invitation today in Jesus' name. Amen. If your Bible's out, you can go ahead and go to uh, Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at some key verses there. We won't deal with the whole chapter. Um, We won't even deal with the whole section. I'll give you uh, really some encouragement to uh, interact with some of that in your own time this week. But we're going to be in uh, Galatians chapter 5 
in just a moment. And what we're going to see is in this context, as Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, he uh, is comparing and contrasting two different ways to live. Uh, One is to live by the flesh and to be led by those desires and ultimately the expression of sin and brokenness that produces in our lives. And the other is to live uh, in step with the spirit or according to the spirit or to live a spirit-filled life would be another way to say that. And, And the way that that looks and is demonstrated differently in the lives of others. And so he's going to be kind of talking about this idea, and it's going to move into this concept of the fruit of the Spirit. And he's going to give us a list, and he's going to unpack it a little bit. But I want to remind you that the idea of fruitfulness or bearing fruit is a metaphor that is used really through the whole of Scripture. It's not just unique to Paul's letter to Galatia and not just to this chapter, but that this idea of uh, fruitfulness or bearing fruit is a metaphor that is used for aligned life with uh, the plans and purposes of God. You can go to Genesis chapter 1 where he finishes creation and as God speaks his blessing over mankind, he says, be fruitful and multiply. That from the very beginning, God's intention was for us to know his plans and purposes and design for us and for that to be fruitfully expressed in our lives. Um, You can move on to a a few other places in Scripture, um, uh, Psalm chapter 1, some things like that. We're going to look at some of those this morning. But two primary places that we're going to kind of draw these concepts together is Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to start there, and then we're going to go to John chapter 15. And as we started this series, uh, for those of you who are overachievers, I suggested that you read chapters... 14, 15, and 16 in John, because Jesus teaches a lot about the Holy Spirit there. So if you uh, did that, you're already way ahead of the game. If you didn't, here's your second chance, at least at a little part in John chapter 15, and we're going to call it good. Everybody agree on that? All right. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 is where we're going to start, because Paul starts moving into talking about how it looks for you and I to live out our freedom in Christ. In the second part of verse 13, Galatians chapter 5, he says this, You know, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. Jesus has called you to freedom in him. Freedom from sin and death, freedom from the brokenness of your past, freedom to the fruitfulness of your future. You're not just called from things, you're called to things. That's the beauty of the gospel, that you're not just called out of what was, but you're called into what could be because of Jesus and his spirit at work in your life. And so he draws our attention to kind of this new way of living, this freedom that is ours in Christ. And then verse 16, he says this, so I say, so because you're called to freedom, so I say, walk by the spirit. So he gives this kind of this, this metaphor, this picture of walking, uh, moving, Tra- uh, uh, traveling uh, with the Spirit, to, to walk with the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So that if you walk in step with the Spirit, you're not going to go back to the old way of living, the broken way of living, but that you're going to move into the new life that you have in Christ Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is really a, a helper and a complement who moves us towards that direction. And if you would think of it kind of like a workout partner, right? Some of us, it's like, we're going to go back to the gym. And you go to the gym and then you sit on one of the machines and then you just kind of play on your phone and you go home. You didn't really get anything done. Some of us need a motivator next to us to kind of move us forward into that, to hold us accountable. When you walk by the Spirit, when the things of the flesh try to grab your attention and move you off course, the Spirit of God says, no, we're not going that direction. Remember, this is how we are living. This is what it looks like 
to live your new life in Christ. And so Paul kind of gives us this contrast here between living. And then if you move on from those verses, and we're not going to read these ones, but the next group of verses, Paul begins to talk about what it looks like to live not in step with the Spirit, but out of step. What it looks like to go back and to gratify the desires of your flesh and the results of that. And so he gives us kind of the, uh, the old way of living. And then he shifts our attention to how we are to live fruitful lives according to the Spirit of God. And we're, so we're going to pick up in verse 23, and this is where he moves our attention. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you grew up in the church, you're probably at least familiar with part of this. I love how frequently when we get to reciting it from memory, we've got love, joy, peace, patience. We might kind of say that a little bit more quieter. We could maybe get to the goodness and kindness. And then as it goes towards self-control, we kind of try to trail off a little bit because that's like, that's not necessarily the one that's the easiest. It's at the end. And I like to try to forget about that one, right? But he, he gives us this list and he says, against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so what Paul does is he, he contrasts, this is how life is lived without the Spirit of God. Pre-Christ. Pre this is you outside of Jesus. But now because you are in Christ because of what the Spirit has done, and the Spirit is in you because of what Christ has done. Now there's a new way to live, a different way to live. And ultimately, it's not expressed in works of brokenness, but in the fruit of the Spirit. And so he's kind of giving the, an old way and a new way to live. Now this idea of fruitfulness and bearing fruit, Jesus draws upon that same metaphor, uses that same imagery in John chapter 15. There's a whole uh, classic section in that chapter called the vine and the branches. Many of you might be familiar with that passage as well. And so when it starts talking about this idea of, of living fruitfully in that context, Jesus says this in John chapter 15, verse five. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then in verse eight, it says that this is to my father's glory, that you bear much fruit. It's God's desire. It's his design that you would bear spiritual fruit. It's to his glory that you would bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You should be able to know it when you see it. That even an unbelieving world should be able to look at the fruit that is produced in the life of the believer and say, I'm not really sure what that is, but I know that that's not produced anywhere else. That's something that's unique. That's something that is new. It's going to draw my attention to that. And in this vine and the branches kind of picture and metaphor, you can unpack this uh, more if you, if you do the whole chapter. But Jesus says, if you remain in me, and that has to do with our connectivity to him, and I in you, how, how is Jesus present in your life? How does Jesus remain in you? We talked about that in week number one of this series. It's that the spirit of God indwells us when we receive salvation. 
And so the picture here, really, if, if you kind of unpack the whole of that concept, is as we're connected to Christ, the Spirit of God moves through our lives and then produces spiritual fruit as a result of that. Just like if you are uh, um, kind of have basic concepts of horticulture, that it's the, the branch that's connected to the trunk, and it's the life of the plant going through the trunk and then through the branch that produces the fruit on the other side. If you take the branch apart, it's, it's ultimately going to wither and dry out, and it won't produce any fruit from that time forward. So that's the picture, that's the metaphor. Oftentimes it's used in Scripture for you and I when it comes to this idea of spiritual fruit, that as the Spirit of God moves through our lives, spiritual fruit is produced. And so with that, we're going to answer two questions this morning, and I think that these are going to be helpful for you and I. And the first question is going to be this, what is the fruit of the Spirit? If you're a note taker, you need to write this down. What is the fruit of the Spirit? And then our second question is, how can I become spiritually fruitful, right? So what is it, and then how do I get some of that in my life kind of demonstrated and as the result of what God is doing in me? And so we're going to answer that first question. I'm going to give you kind of four statements on this that are going to help frame our thoughts. It's not going to be wholly exhaustive, but for this morning and for this series, it's going to be helpful in moving us Forward And the first two are going to not just be what the spirit or the fruit of the spirit is, but I'm going to tell you what it's not. Sometimes it's helpful to not just define something, but to also define what it isn't so we can take it apart from maybe unhealthy concepts or ideas or conclusions that we've reached kind of on our own. We can disassociate from those and we can land on something that's a little bit more Helpful. So here's the first thing that the fruit of the Spirit is not. And I would, if you're not a note taker, I would still write this one down. You need this one. It is not a to-do list. Okay, please, please, please write this down. It is not a to-do list. Most often, the first place that we trip up when it comes to living a new life in Christ is moving from a place of having a freedom in Jesus that produces fruitful spirituality in us to moving to some religious rote to-do list that we have to somehow maintain in order to have God's favor or merit. It's, it's not a to-do list. But if I don't remind myself of that, Pastor Ben reads it like a to-do list. I begin to read it as, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. And as I start to take an account of my life or to kind of look at the, my life through that lens, I start seeing places that I'm not loving or that I'm not experiencing joy or where I've been impatient. And here's my conclusion. I need to get better at that. Isn't that what we do? Right? If you do that, you're creating, you're taking the fruit of the Spirit, you're taking this list, and you're making it a to-do list, and now it is going to be to-done in your own effort. That somehow you're going to, this is going to be the time that I really follow through on this, and I'm going to be patient with my coworker, or my children, or my spouse, or my neighbor. And it's just a matter of time till all of your best efforts show themselves to be fruitless. It's, it's not a to-do list. And I love that Paul uses the metaphor of fruit because that helps us land on this conclusion, fruit is not made, it's grown. Okay, let me say that again. Fruit is not made, it's grown. You can make a fruit salad, right? You can grab a bunch of fruit and throw it in a bowl, congratulations, but you didn't make any of that fruit, it was grown. 
And even those of us who have uh, an orchard or a garden or kind of move in kind of those horticulture circles, you know that you can do everything even as a great steward of God's creation. And you can plant and you can prep and you can do everything right, but you don't get to dictate the fruit at the end of it. And you can sit there and you can stare at that plant all day long. And you you can't make that happen. It grows because of how it's designed and the way that it is aligned. And if it's healthy and if it's mature, if it's aligned, then fruitfulness is a byproduct of that. And if it's unfruitful, then it's typically an indicator that something is off on the inside. There's something wrong with that plant. And so it's helpful for us to think in terms of that way because it keeps us from trying to make fruit on our own. And you can, you can make fruit. Right? You can read that list and say, you know what, this week I'm going to be more loving and you can go out and you can try to show more compassion and have a deeper empathy. You can do a word study on agape. That's the word for love that's used in, in that place. And you can differentiate it from all the different ways that you can show uh, amorous affection or uh, you know, brotherly love or things like that. Like you can come to a really deep, rich knowledge of it and you can go out and you can try and you might be loving with that coworker or with that neighbor but it's typically only a matter of time, right? Before that, there's a shelf life on it because the, the fruit that you and I try to create in our, it's, it's, it's trying to mimic an authentic spirit-filled life, but it comes across, it's, it's more like wax fruit. Under a careful scrutiny and maybe even taking a taste, it will be found to be less than or even false. And so we need to remember that we don't produce this but that the fruit of the Spirit is something that has grown in us because of the life of the Spirit working in us. And now if I'm looking at these indicators and I'm saying I'm not seeing love or joy or peace expressed in my life, rather than saying I need to make that fruit happen, what I should be asking is why is the Spirit of God being constricted in my life? Where am I misaligned? Where have I disassociated? Where have I just said no to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Because alignment will produce that life and the fruit comes at the end of it. So it's not a to-do list. The other thing it's not, it's not an exhaustive list. Uh, there, there is a tendency for us to use a list like this and to build like uh, 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 kind of like this finite library of understanding as if the fruit of the Spirit is only nine. Now these are pretty good, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. But if you were going to say generosity as an expression of the character and nature of God, which certainly it is, where would you put that? You'd have to mash it into one of those. You could maybe take compassion or empathy and kind of loop that into that idea of uh, agape love. But maybe that goes with gentleness as well. Like, so if you, if you try to make this too finite of a list, what you do is you exclude the possibility of the Spirit of God producing anything else in your life. And the other thing that you do is you reduce who God is and what he's trying to do to a list of nine things that you can kind of write on a list and make sure that you're doing properly so that God loves you. It's not an exhaustive list. And one of the ways that you can know this is if you go to the verses just before this, and we didn't go over them this morning, Paul gives a list of the works of the flesh. He says, when you follow the desires of the flesh, it's going to move you in the opposite direction of these things. 
And in his list, he says this, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. And and he kind of has this list here, but you could look at that and think of all the places that you've missed the standard of God and said, man, there's a good thing that some of the stuff that I did isn't on that list. Because that's not an exhaustive list either, it's representative. And that's one of the ways that you can know when he moves to the fruit of the spirit, that it's not just, this is the nine things that the spirit of God does. These are great nine representative characteristics of who Christ is and what he does in our life that you can take note of. So those two things are helpful. One of the best definitions of the fruit of the spirit, as far as answering what is the fruit of the spirit, I'm gonna give it to you, note takers, you can write this down. This is the best working definition that I have found practical and easy. The fruit of the Spirit is this. It's the character of Christ produced by the Spirit of Christ in the follower of Christ. It's it's all centered on Jesus and how his Spirit works in us to express his character and nature to the world. So it's the character of Christ produced by the spirit of Christ in the follower of Christ. That's a great way to think about this. And if you go to that, uh, that list of nine, certainly those are things that can be expressed in the person of Christ and the way that he interacts with people and particularly with you and I. When I was worshiping this morning, I was kind of wrestling through some frustrations in, in my own life and I was reminded of, of the way that God deals with me. And I was impatient in some things that I was thinking about and kind of trying to press into worship, but my mind was distracted and I began to pray, you know what, God, thank you for your patience. Thank you for the joy that you bring to me. Thank you for for these things being expressed in my life in the way that you relate to me. And here's the thing, when I begin to recognize what I've received, I receive enough to give. If you're impatient with somebody, you need to be reminded how patient God has been with you, how patient the Holy Spirit is with you as he's trying to guide and correct you and you're throwing your temper tantrum because you just don't want to do it that way. Nobody here is like that. Nine uh, clock service is filled with those people. It's terrible. When I'm reminded of what God has done in me, I'm much more apt to allow that to be expressed through me to those around me. The other thing that it is, and this is just interesting to note and we may unpack at a later date, but these aren't separate pieces of fruit. I, I, I have always read this when I read it in a hurry and I'm not, and, and, and I'm not um, kind of landing on things that I know. I read it this way, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and I think of it like apples, oranges, bananas, kiwis, right? And as I go through the list, like the fruit that I like the best, I will think of those things in that way, and when I get to self-control, that can just be a tomato, right? We all agree that it's technically a fruit, but nobody wants it. We, We think of it in those terms, but when Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, The word fruit there in the Greek is not plural. It's not like when you and I say, I'm gonna go to the store and buy fruit and I buy all of this different kinds. It's singular. The fruit of the spirit is expressed in all of these ways. 
And it's really important for you to recognize that because we oftentimes labor under the pretense that we have like apples growing really well in our lives, but not bananas. Uh, And maybe we'll even exclude away some of those things saying, you know what, God didn't make me that way. Or I just, I'm not going to be able to do that. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of God produces one fruit in you. And all of these are part of that expression. And when Jesus uses the metaphor of the, of the vine and the branches, he's using a, a picture of a vineyard. He's using the picture of a grapevine. And if you would think of fruit of the Spirit more like grapes, that will help you. Because a cluster of grapes is the fruit. But each grape is kind of unique and distinct. But it's all the same as well. And that is what the fruit of the Spirit really is, that there's a distinctness to each one of these expressions, but it's not separate and it's not different. And if the Spirit of God can work in your life in a way that you are demonstrating the love of Christ, then the Spirit of God can work in your life in a way where you are demonstrating His patience as well. Because it's not separate, it's a unit. And that's sometimes, I think, helpful for us. And what that means is that the fruit of the Spirit... Every believer is uh, uh, able to produce those things, that, that all are produced in the life of the follower of Christ, that God's intention for every believer is that we would bear that type of fruit. Now, again, in Genesis chapter one, be fruitful and multiply God's design from the very beginning when we're aligned and in step with his plan and purpose is fruitfulness. Psalm chapter one, those who are righteous are like a tree planted by the river, who are basically always green, and they bear season. Uh, they bear their fruit in, in the proper seasons. Like the, the, the picture of, of fruitfulness and fruit bearing is all through Scripture. And in the John passage, Jesus says this, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's God's intention that all of this is expressed in your life, that the fruit of the Spirit is present and on display. And just even from this passage, you can draw two conclusions. One is because it differentiates you from the world. It shows us to be his disciples. It shows us to be a follower of Christ. It's something that is recognized when the fruit is put under scrutiny. Hey, that's not a cherry. That's something else. I don't maybe know what it is, but I know it's different. And the second thing is that it brings glory to God as a result of that. And so that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. What I want to do real quick is I want to answer the question, so how do I become spiritually fruitful? So if if all of this is to be expressed in my life, that it's not just kind of pick and choose, but it's like this whole uh, fruit that the Spirit of God is looking to work in and through me, how can I become spiritually fruitful? And we're going to go back to that John 15, verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit on your own. You can't do this, right? On your own, you're producing wax fruit. It's not going to last. And so how can I become spiritually fruitful? The first one is this. It's remain in Christ. Most of your translations will use the word abide. It means to like hold on tight and hang out for an extended period of time. Now, in my garden, I know that if a a branch is damaged or if there is something damaged on one of the plants, that that's going to lead to unfruitfulness, that there's going to be a devoid of life there. But by and large, the way that that works in a garden is either I do that, pruning, or the, the, the outside forces do that like a hailstorm. Now, unfortunately for you and I, we are the only branches in all of creation that can choose to just let go and go do something else. 
And so this word abide, it's really important. It means to stay connected, but there's an element to it where you have to yield and choose and hold fast. In the Greek, it's not a passive word. It's not just a kind of a word that happens. It's an active word. So there's a decision-making part that goes with this. Believers who actively follow the leading of the Holy Spirit are gonna see the fruit of the Spirit developed in their lives. And to to the degree that we shy away from that, to the degree that we just kind of tap out of that, is to the degree that we lessen our fruitfulness or see it shrivel altogether. Fruitfulness requires two things. One is it requires the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Anything that you're doing in your own effort, in your own strength, it is not fruit of the Spirit. It's not eternal. It's not going to last. It can be good. You can do some great things just in your own effort, but it's not the fruit of the Spirit. Requires the power of the Holy Spirit, but the other thing that it uh, uh, requires, and this is where we do participate, it requires our obedience. It requires our obedience. And not the obedience to act, the obedience to abide, to hold on, to allow the Spirit of God to move in our lives and through our lives in a way that produces fruit as a result. The other one that you find, and I just want to touch on it quickly, because if you are going through a a time of difficulty, this may be something that the Lord is trying to do in your life, not to make you miserable, but to make you fruitful. In John chapter 15, if you read the whole chapter on your own, Jesus will refer to uh, the, the Father God, Heavenly Father, as the vine dresser. And he says this, that every vine that is unfruitful is taken away, and thrown away. Every vine that is fruitful is pruned for greater fruitfulness. It means that God has a design on your life, not for you to just have a little fruit, but for you to be fruitful as he intended in Genesis chapter one, as is depicted in Psalm chapter one. And that part of that means that he is willing to come in and take things out of your life in order to create a greater fruitfulness. Pruning has to to do with the suggestion of kind of chastening or disciplining and even cutting away what is good but not fruitful. And I have in my garden at times had plants that were just, they were growing like crazy anywhere and everywhere, taking over whole areas of the garden but not producing any fruit in them at all because all of what was in them was put towards the effort of just growing and expanding and not being Fruitful, And it's when you prune those things back and concentrate the life of the plant towards producing fruit that it happens. And there are times when you and I get distracted with all kinds of good things, but we're not allowing the spirit of God to move in us towards fruitfulness. We're just doing a lot of rad things for Jesus. And the Lord will prune those things back. Sometimes we're wounded, we're damaged, we're broken, and the vine dresser is gonna come and address those things as well. You can trust that in areas of your life that are not fruitful, that God's going to be looking to bring correction and redirection. But you can also trust as the vine dresser that if you will submit to that and trust him with that process, that it will bring fruitfulness in your life. Because fruit is ultimately the result of health and growth and maturity. Health and growth and maturity. And as we become healthy in our walk with Jesus and our interaction with the Holy Spirit, and as we are growing and moving forward in that, and as we are becoming more mature, fruit is just the natural byproduct. Not because we make it, 
but because it grows in us because of the life of the Spirit at work in us. I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to close in just a moment, but I'm going to have you stand. I want you to get kind of your, your, uh, yourself situated, and, and I want to walk you through a way for us to respond. If you're uh, at home with us, I'd encourage you to do that as well, to just stand. I know that nobody's watching, but Jesus is watching, so he's going to tell me in my office on you. No, that doesn't happen. As you're getting set, I want you to think for a minute, okay? I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes right now. You don't need to drown out any distractions yet. But I want you to think about yourself as a vine, okay? Just imagine if, if, you were, if you were up looking down on your life and you were a vine, are, are you fruitful? Like if, if you had to look, it could, are you fruitful? I think for most of us, we would say, well, maybe over here a little bit, but I, I know where I need more of the Spirit of God at work. Like considering the ways that the Holy Spirit produces the evidence of Christ in our lives, are, are you fruitful? And, and where, where might you lack? Now our tendency is to look at that area and say, oh man, I gotta double down this week. Man, I gotta work really hard at that this week. No, no you don't. Don't work really hard at making fake fruit. Nobody's gonna be fooled by that. How about instead we rest in Jesus? How about instead I look at this place in my life where I say, man, that's, that's less than the fruitfulness that I'm hearing about. And I just hold on to Jesus again. I allow his Holy Spirit to move in my life. I just, I just make it simple and I say yes. And I make it simple and I ask. One of my favorite verses on the Holy Spirit comes from John chapter 11 when Jesus is teaching on prayer. The second part of verse 13, he says this, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Not to those who work hard, not to those who earn it, but to those who just say, I, I need more of the Holy Spirit. If there's an error in your life that's not fruitful, just ask dad for more of the Holy Spirit. Just invite more of the Holy Spirit. And then begin to take those steps. There is the obedience. There is the saying, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yes to that prompting, to that leading. I'm gonna say yes to that spiritual discipline. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that step. There is a part for you, but don't start until he's at work in you. In liturgic tradition, there's a prayer that's used at Pentecost. And I've abbreviated this morning, but I wanna pray it over you. And it's an invitation for the Holy Spirit to come and do whatever's necessary in you. Maybe, maybe you need a move of the Spirit of God to produce fruitfulness in you. But maybe when you look down and consider yourself a vine, fruit's the last thing that you're thinking about because you see the wound. You see the hurt. You see the place where you're fractured or broken. Fruitfulness isn't even on the list because vibrant life isn't even there. You're not growing, you're not maturing. It can be for a variety of reasons. Maybe when you consider your life, there's, there's no life at all. The, the picture that the Lord gave you was of a withered stick because you actually haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if Jesus isn't your Savior, then His Spirit isn't in you. And so there's no real life there at all. Like you have to yield your life to Christ and maybe you need to do that this morning. 
The Holy Spirit is at work on your life looking to draw you to faith in Christ, but he's not at work in you because you haven't invited that. If you would bow your heads this morning, the prayer goes like this. Come, Holy Spirit, cleanse that which is unclean, water that which is dry, heal that which is wounded, bend that which is inflexible, and fire that which is chilled. Correct what goes astray. Grant the deliverance of salvation. Grant eternal joy. Lord, that's the prayer this morning for myself and for my friends. We would invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and be at work in us. Lord, help us to put aside the fake fruit that we've kind of created and manufactured for ourselves. Let us hold tight to Jesus. Allow your spirit to move in us and to see the fruit of the spirit as a result of that. And Lord, may it be demonstrated in such a way that those around us would, would be drawn uh, to, to attention to it. Lord, that, that they would see it, that they would recognize it. Maybe not even knowing what it is, but recognizing that it's different. Lord, help the deep water of the Spirit in us to flow out into our lives, bringing a fruitfulness. And help us to begin to see that evident this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you've got a smartphone or a tablet, here's some action steps for you this week. A little bit of homework. Number one, read Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. I grabbed a few of those verses this morning, but read the whole context. It'll give you that contrast of how you could live life versus maybe how you are. Number two, invite the Holy Spirit to be at work in you this week. And then as a result of that, start looking for the fruit to grow.